0: Welcome to the Patient Flow Podcast, powered by Teletracking. On today's episode of the Patient Flow Podcast, we continue our conversation with Elisa Ayer, Director of the Patient Placement Center at Baylor Scott & White Health in Dallas, Texas. In the second part of this conversation, we learn how the industry has changed and the important role data plays in the process. Let's listen in. What are some of the things that are different now than when you first started? We understand transfers. Before the transfer center began, each hospital was responsible for their own transfer population. Most of the hospitals had their house supervisor or their case managers having a role in that. What we didn't understand as an organization was just how many patients were coming in, where were they coming from, and how many were you unable to accommodate? And was there a missed opportunity? Could we really have accommodated some of those patients that we did not? So that's really the growth in perception of transfers because we understand it now. We understand what a positive thing it is for our community to open access to what we feel is the best care in the Metroplex. So we want to open access to our patients. And so we've been able to offer that to them. The other part that people understand better now is just the role of our physicians and how engaged they must be in the transfer process. Process, and our physicians have come a long way with that. We have a very busy medical staff and it's not always easy for them to take on additional patients when they have full surgery schedules in their own for their own practices. They're being given patients by the emergency department and we were just one more person trying to give them more business. But as people have become more and more familiar with the transfer center and our processes and the value that we bring to the community, the physicians have really engaged very well with my team and they're very open and receptive to receiving patients. They really want to help bring these patients to where they know that they will get the best care possible. And I think most of that has a lot to do with the fact that we have nurses in our transfer center. I know that there are successful transfer centers all across the nation that have multiple different structures. We've got some that have ENTs, access services, LVNs, RNs. But for our particular organization, what works best for us, we have found, is having nurses with a lot of experience and we tend to draw nurses from critical care and emergency room and those nurses tend to be the most successful in the department and you can really tell when you're having the conversations with our physicians that it is comforting for our physicians that when we call them we know everything that there is to know about that patient as much as possible so before we connect them to the sending physician to do a physician to physician handoff or report they know what to expect they know that we've already asked the questions that they're going to ask. So we've got all of the information laid out for them. And I think that that might be missing if you did not have a nurse in that role. I'm not to say that it could not be successful because there are many that are, but for our particular organization and our culture, we are very proud of the fact that we have RNs in our department. We talk a lot about the power of data and how that's used to drive change. What are some of the other key metrics that you regularly review and how do they help you make decisions going forward? I love data. I could just swim around in it all day. So this is a fun thing for me with the department. It's been incredibly helpful. We look at our incoming transfers by campus. We monitor that for trends to see are we increasing in a particular area or decreasing and why that could be. Uh, We look at our payer mix that's coming in, uh, what percentage of our patients are managed care versus out of network or that are private pay patients. We monitor that. We also look at our turnaround times. So from the time that a sending hospital calls in to initiate a patient request to the time that we give approval, and a bed assignment and tell them they're ready to go, that's a metric that we measure very tightly and our executive steering committee looks at that. So we have one metric for the ED transfers and we have another metric for the inpatient transfers. In addition to those things, we also look at our lost transfers. The way that we in our organization defined a lost transfer is it's something that was within our scope of control. So there was not a bed available at a campus or we could not accommodate them at any of our campuses due to bed capacity that's within our scope of control because that's a throughput issue. So we track that. If we had a physician decline or we couldn't locate a physician, that's considered a loss transfer. If we don't have the right service line available, that would be a loss transfer. The other piece is if a competitor was able to do it faster than us. We live in a very competitive market. We have wonderful healthcare systems in our Metroplex, and we are all out there trying to serve this patient population. So on the occasions that we're unable to do it as quickly as we would like, and a competitor gets that patient, then we track that as a loss. So those lost transfers are captured by hospital so that each hospital president sees every month what percentage of their transfer volume is lost. Uh, And then you can measure it by campus. And so the hospital presidents see where they stack up compared to their sister campuses. We also measure it by the transfer nurse in the department. So each nurse is held to the exact same metric that the hospitals are. We also measure contribution margin. That's the financial measurement we use to determine how financially profitable the transfer patient population is. Um, The service lines that we lose because we don't have a service line, we also measure those. So we're sending that to our hospital CMOs and our presidents every month to say we have lost X number of transfers this month because we didn't have X machine or equipment or we didn't have um, Y service line. So that's something that they can use to think through future growth and development to see if that's something that we need to invest in, if there's a need in our community that we don't already have. The other thing that has really helped with the lost transfers is the Executive Steering Committee's response to that data. So when we recognize that we have an issue losing transfers or more than we would like, then we came up with two different unique processes to try and combat that. So for capacity declines, if we have an issue where our hospital has said that they're unable to accept a patient, we found that the hospital presidents weren't aware of exactly how frequently that was happening. We have a process in place that if the hospital declines for capacity, my staff notify me, they give me the patient information, and then I'm calling the hospital president on his or her cell phone and we're having a conversation so that they know real time that we have a potential transfer that we might lose if we don't intervene or if we can't come up with a creative way to bed that patient in their campus. Elisa, does reporting always go straight up the chain to the president What if a physician has a specific concern about an intake? We are using the same process, but rather than escalating that to the president, I'm escalating that to the chief medical officer. And then that allows the chief medical officer in real time to have a conversation with that physician that declined. We've had far, far fewer declines on the physician side. And that really was not an enormous issue to begin with. But again, we're trying to take that 5% or 7% and drive that as low as we possibly can. So the more communication we have in real time, the more successful that we'll be and the more patients we'll be able to treat and care for. What's next? What are the next things you're planning on implementing? Uh, You you know, we are just continuing to hone what it is that we're already doing. Uh, Every year we experience growth. We average about a 20% increase in volume year over year. So we're continuing just to make sure that we're staffed appropriately to be able to manage the volume that's coming in. And then in addition to that, we have started slowly, but we have started the process of centralizing some of our hospital's room control functions into the patient placement center. Thank you for listening to the Patient Flow podcast powered by Teletracking. We take pride in bringing you insightful conversations with the leading experts in patient flow, as well as tips on industry best practices to help ensure patients get the right care in the right place at the right time.